Am I on? Glory to God. It's great to be back with Pastor Dave and Sally and uh, just to spend some time with you and walk through this weekend with Jesus. Isn't Jesus marvelous? Hallelujah. That's the only reason we're here, isn't it? Really? <laughs> so why don't we get right in on why we're here? Hallelujah. And uh, it's great to see some friends in from Listener Dill. Did I say it right? Amen. I'm getting there. Well, folks, you've heard this message because I felt a quickening in my spirit uh, to bring this message to this particular meeting tonight. So my apologies, but you know, God is a God of new things even when you preach something you've uh, preached before. Wesley said when you've preached a message 10 times, you're learning how to preach it. Uh, and so you're in good company tonight. Amen. Open your Bible with me, would you, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. While you're finding that, let me communicate uh, great love and greetings from my wife, Miriam, the love of my life. Uh, she is holding the fort at home. We have been living, uh, if you like, in the busiest season of our life, gripped by all that God is doing. We're in uh, an atmosphere of revival, and uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I'm standing back and just watching Jesus save alcoholics and, and people from the gutter and establish them, clean them up uh, and, and sort them out. He's doing a work that I could never do of myself. And I rejoice in the work of God. Amen. Uh, I've got the best job in the world. And, and I believe my work this weekend is to just stand back and let God. Hallelujah. Uh, and that's all we want, isn't it? I hope there's a desire in your heart to, for the things of Jesus, to get to know Him more, to grow deeper in Him. And uh, I, my prayer was, Lord, hide me this weekend and flow through me like a mighty river. And that's the desire and the passion of my heart. So let's get to grips with what God wants to do on this evening. Let's read the word. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were, were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the, in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Friends, um, as we come to this passage of Scripture, just by way of foundation, let me remind you that we are relational beings. We are not designed to live in isolation or be alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're meant to be together. <laughs> Hallelujah. And loneliness is, loneliness is not how God wants you to live. He does not want you to be alone. Uh, fellowship. <laughs> are you laughing at my northern accent? Um, uh, fellowship is part of, of, is on the heart of God and uh, uh, God loves it when we are brought together. Anything that divides can never be of God. Anything that unites is, is God's work and so uh, we are meant to be in relationship. We are capable of entering relationship with God and with each other. And then we are thinking beings. You know, when you come into a Pentecostal church, you don't leave your brain at the door. We are able to count calculate, think, evaluate, and form views and opinions. And we're able to discover amazing things about God. We were designed with the ability to think. How amazing it is that all the animals were brought before Adam and he named them all accurately. Isn't that a marvelous thing? God didn't do that. Adam did that. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and say, wow, even in the natural, you're amazing. But how about when we connect up with the supernatural, you are somebody else. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 and that's how God works. And then he designed us with the ability to choose. You have uh, authority from God. And one of the greatest things you will discover as you walk in life with the Lord is that God gives you a new authority. And we're going to be looking at some of those things over the weekend that, that God designed you and gave over to you authority in life. Uh, sin and the enemy and living in disobedience and rebellion will always rob you from you, undermine and remove the authority of God from you. But when we're established in God, God, we regain authority and so much more in terms of reigning and ruling in life. And then we are emotional beings. Uh, we don't need to be reminded of that, do we? We have emotions, we feel, we, 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 we have the ability to laugh. Have you ever thought that God laughs? Of course He does. If He created you in His image and He gave you the ability to rejoice and laugh and be happy, then, he, then so can He. Hallelujah. So it's marvelous uh, to, to know the gift of joy, isn't it? Joy is a marvelous thing. It's beyond happiness. Uh, God has given us the ability to uh, rejoice and laugh. Uh, but he's also given us the ability to grieve. And one of the reasons why we know the Holy Spirit is, ca is, is a person rather than a force is that he had the ability to grieve. Uh, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So we are able to express what we feel. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to hear from your heart this weekend. Uh, and he's quite happy, he's quite happy for you to express some feelings, you know. God hasn't made you a stiff. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you're breathing, you're not dead. 
you're not dead. God, God has given you the ability to express. He's, he's given you the right to, to feel and, uh, and to allow yourself to be loosed up and freed up in the presence of God. Uh, it's a marvelous thing. Freedom in the Spirit is something to protect, something to have, something to rejoice in. And so I would love it if today and tomorrow we just got more loosed up than we ever were. Hallelujah. I'm thank God he hasn't made me a stiff Yorkshireman. He's made me a released Yorkshireman. Hallelujah. Amen. And so turn to your neighbor and say, you might, be, you might get more released up than you ever have done before this weekend. Hallelujah. Turn me down, bro. about now is that God made you like himself. He put his image in you, his handprint upon you. So we are meant to relate like God in relationship. We are meant to think like God. Why do you think Jesus comes and he comes and he puts the mind, his mind in you? No wonder we need renewal of the mind. We were so marred and screwed up by sin. But Jesus comes to transform the mind. Hallelujah. He comes to renew your mind. So you don't think like an old man anymore. You, you think like a renewed being. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to think how I used to think any longer. Glory to God, because we are able to think right. We're able to choose right. God has given us an ability to make the right choices. Amen. To make the best choices, to make the wise choices. And so he is causing us and calling us to make the good decisions in life that he wants us to make. And then, of course, this is a big one, isn't it? We are able to feel like God. Not uh, feel depressed, not feel full of anguish, not feel full of anxiety, uh, but to feel like God. I'm talking about wholeness now. I'm talking about uh, salvation, wholeness in mind, wholeness in spirit as God reforms and reshapes. And of course, as we read this passage of Scripture, we realize that Adam made a choice to disobey. He fell from intimate relationship with God and sin entered the world through one man. This affected every one of us born of human line. And only through Jesus, as we know, we are born again and transported from one generation into another generation. Hallelujah. We are regenerated and placed in the kingdom of God. So I felt tonight uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the effects of the fall and the process of temptation. And then tomorrow we're going to look at how God restores us. Hallelujah. How God restores us by the power of his resurrection. So we're beginning tonight by asking the question, what really happened in the garden. What really took place when Adam and Eve fell? So as we look at this, we can see in chapter 1 that it says, Now the serpent was craftier than all the animals the Lord God had made. And the first thing we recognize is that Satan disguised his person. He came in disguise. And Satan didn't come as a creature of ugliness. If, if he had come as a creature of ugliness, Adam and Eve uh, would have spotted it. They would have seen it. They would have known it. But he came in disguise. And uh, Adam and Eve uh, would have felt uncomfortable in his approach if, they, if he hadn't disguised himself. Although they should have been able to discern and know 
that this was uh, an attack of Satan. They never saw it. And uh, we know that he still operates like this today. There's a great verse in the New Testament that helps us understand how Satan still comes today. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Do you know, I've got a feeling with all that is happening across the face of the earth in these days that Satan is going to perform stronger as an angel of light than he ever has done before. You, do, you don't need to look very far in the scriptures as you start to read about end time events because there's going to be miracles, there's going to be false signs, there's going to be everything that could possibly lead people astray. Satan will come as an angel of light again in a stronger way, but we who are uh, after God's heart will be able to discern and we'll be able to do No, we won't fall like Adam fell because we've got the power of the second Adam in us. Hallelujah. We will know, we will discern by the Spirit of God in us because we've been transformed. So we know he comes uh, as an angel of light. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we've got to recognize that uh, it begins before the curse. It begins before sin has entered the world. And so he is able to come as a beautiful creature. So he didn't come as an ugly creature. He came as a beautiful creature. Turn to your neighbor and say, some things might look beautiful, but they will damage your heart. You better believe it. You better believe it. Sometimes you've just got no alternative but to run. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But sometimes your only option is to run. So it was after the fall that God cursed the serpent and consigned him to crawling on his belly across the ground. You know, my wife, when we watch these TV programs, she's sitting at my side. And if there's maybe a, 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 a snake or something like that comes on or, a, you know, these are my, oh, she says, oh, she just detests them. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. You know, and, and we can't handle watching those things because I suppose it's what it represents, isn't it? To us, it's what it represents. I just don't want to see those slippery, slimy things. I can't understand those people. Has anybody got snakes in the house? I tell you, if I was you, I'd get rid of them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Not only do they smell, but they're all... <laughs> what they represent, to me, I just can't stand it. Crawling on your ground across their belly. But the curse, uh, 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 the curse had not yet come. But here he is presenting himself as a beautiful creature before the curse before the fall. And then secondly, Satan disguised his purpose. He disguised his person and he disguised his purpose. Why do you think Satan disguised his purpose? Well, he didn't come sliding up to Eve and say, hello, I've come to ruin your life. You know, he came with a language that was crafty and cunning and subtle. He didn't come up and say, I've come to damn your soul. He never tried to talk her into becoming an atheist. He just challenged what God said. And I want to tell you, friend, that is exactly what he will still do today, whether he does it through religion, whether he does it through an attack uh, on your heart and your mind, through sin, temptation, and all these things. He still comes in the same way because that is his nature. 
Uh, and, you know, sometimes, church, we need to remember what his character is like. We need to remember what his nature is like so that we don't play right into the hands of the devil again because we have been destined for victory, not for defeat. Hallelujah. We're going to glory, not to hell. Hallelujah. And there's one thing that we need to know in this age, especially as everything is hotting up, as we approach the coming of the Lord, we need to know what the purpose of the enemy is. We all talk about the purpose of God. We need to know the purpose of God, but we also need to know what the purpose of the enemy is. And the purpose of the enemy is still to cause destruction for you. And the sooner you learn how he works and his wiles and his ways, his character and his nature, the sooner we will spot him quicker. So he will come to tempt. He will come to entice. He will come to distort this word uh, and we know how he operates. So he came to the woman, he said, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Slight twist. What a crafty conversation. Let me paraphrase. Eve, I don't quite understand what God was saying to you. Did he say that you mustn't eat from any tree in the garden? I just can't get my head round what he was saying to you. And there she stands. And, then it, and there's dialogue. And she says, we may eat from any tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit, the tree. In the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And the vocabulary there is amazing. Because actually the original would say dying you will die. And the Hebrew says this. It says you shall die spiritually and begin to die physically. And as you think about life and you think about your loved ones and those who've gone before us, who've passed away. It is still the result of sin. Death is still the result of that original sin that Adam chose. It's the last enemy to be destroyed. Now I want to tell you, it's only just about three weeks ago that I held... <coughs> A young lady alongside a partner, I, I, I officiated at a marriage as they corrected their life in a hospital. It wasn't a legal marriage because there was no time. She'd been radically saved two and a half years ago, uh, an alcoholic, and I, I can't answer the question why all these things happened. She brought loads of her friends to Jesus, and, uh, and they got saved. We were been baptizing them in the tank, glory to God. The tank in our church has never been opened as many times as it is at the moment. And it's still going on. Glory. Still going on. Then... We heard the news that this woman, even when she arrived in our fellowship, who was riddled with cancer. We were told because of her past, it had gone to her liver. And I, don't, I can't understand why you lay hands on some people and they're radically healed. Just the other day, Pastor Jim Dick and I were called into ICU in Frenchie Hospital just outside Bristol. I'll finish the alcoholic story in a minute. 
Don't let me forget, brother. We walked in. I can't go into any detail about this because it's not public knowledge. But we were called in and this man was hanging on the edge of, of death. He was in a coma. There was no signs of life. He was just surviving by machines. I want to tell you this is an incredible miracle, friends. You don't hear about this in the newspapers, do you? We walked in, Pastor Jim and I. First time we've ever been asked for our credentials in a hospital, Pastor Dave. Oh, I'll tell you what, they were on the ball. I said, this is, I'm Pastor Paul, this is Pastor Jim, we've come to pray for that man. I said, I don't, know if, I don't even know if he's a Christian. The family sent us. Go ahead. Flash the card, go ahead. We went over there in a perfectly ordinary, normal prayer. We stood at the side of this man. And we put our hands upon his arms. We prayed the prayer of faith. We said, Lord, bring life to this man. In the name of Jesus. We prayed a simple childlike prayer, but we felt the power of God flowing through us. We looked at each other and went, whoa. <laughs> and we walked out perfectly normal. We had a phone call from his wife. Within one hour, he woke up from the coma, came out, was breathing for himself, perfectly healed and restored. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? What's wrong with you people? That's a miracle. And yet, just a couple of weeks earlier, we'd been in, in a different hospital in Bristol where that young lady lay there as two of her children, a 17-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter. And as they wept, they watched their mother draw the last breath as we held her. And her friends, two other alcoholics, saying, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And she went. And just the other Monday, I conducted a funeral. Church was full of everybody from A. I don't know why I said that. I've forgotten completely. <laughs> what I was talking about was the power of God. Dying, you will die. But one day, the enemy of death will be totally eradicated and life eternal shall be forevermore. I often think of my dad and often think of my nan and those who have gone before. And I thought, Lord, all this because of that sin when Adam fell. Now let me talk to you about the process of temptation. Satan focuses Eve's mind upon one single thing that God prohibited. Isn't that amazing how the enemy knows how to come on that one thing and tempt us? He knows our weak spot. He knows our vulnerability. He knew Eve's personality better than she knew it herself. And how we need to know how to strengthen up the weak areas in our lives. Fellas, how we need to know what not to look at and what to look at. What to think on and what not to think on. To begin to get control over our minds and our thinking. Uh, and so that we do not focus on the weakness, weak areas of our lives. So that's what he did. He focused on the one single thing God prohibited. He sows doubt in her mind in order for her to question what God said. If he could remove the simple acceptance of 
of what God said from Eve, then he'd laid the ground for him to sow the next undermining thought. Turn to your neighbor and say, how is your faith doing? Don't let one thing undermine your faith. Not one thing. And then he contradicts the word of God in ridicule. And he still does that today. I love the book, do you? I, I tell you, I crave this thing. I eat it. Do you know, I, I, I was telling Paul, I, I, they've removed this version. That I love the Thompson Chain NIV reference and I love it, I love it, I love it. It's just my favorite thing and I, I, they're, they're taking it out of, of print so I've bought another one ready, leather bound and I've stuck it on my bookshelf for when this one wears out because, because I love it. I, I love the word. I was talking to the guys this morning how I believe we should have, have a desperation like we've never known before to lock away with God, to get to know what is in that book. I think we would be embarrassed. I think we would be embarrassed if people knew how much little time we spent with the Word of God. And that's the Pentecostals. What about anybody else? So he is able to say to Eve, you will not surely die. And then he makes out as if God is somehow keeping something good, some good things or pleasure from Adam and Eve, when actually it was all for their protection. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you listen, God will protect you. It's easier to disobey God when we doubt His goodness. When God looks bad, sin looks good. And Satan understood this. He knew that if she doubted God, it would lead to disobedience. Doubting God will always lead to disobedience. So why don't we as a people tonight decide to take God at His word like we never have before? Why don't we over this weekend be not only people of His spirit but also people of His word? Hallelujah. Those two awesome ingredients. If we get those two ingredients established in our lives like we've never known before, when the attack of the enemy comes against us our house will not be, uh, be built on sand it will be built on the rock solid word of God when the enemy comes and says did God really say that we will say yes he did yes. hallelujah yes he did yes he did my God said that glory I have no doubt in my spirit. I've never been more convinced and persuaded that every promise in the book is mine. I don't care what your background is. I don't care about your false religion and your godlessness. I know whom I am believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which he has committed 
unto that day. God will honor his word to the last dot. There is one thing that will stand forever. It is the word of the Lord. What you have sown in your life, the eternal things you've sown in your life are the only things that you will carry into eternity. Everything else will be laid aside. You leave it all behind when you leave the physical. I want to tell you, church, I am more aware of eternity now in my life than I ever was before. I am aware of the glory of God and the presence of Jesus like I've never known before in my life. It is consuming my spirit. I am burning with it. I can't put it in words. I'm lost for words to describe my Savior. Wow. Can't communicate enough. What an amazing God we really have. You say, Pastor, this is too much for me, too much emotion. God made me emotional. Jesus stood at the grave of his best friend and wept his heart out. Where did we learn and decide that religion was something that was stiff and would keep you in a box? My God, my Jesus will loose you and set you free by the power of his Holy Spirit and you will sing, shout, holler, dance and lift up the roof in the power of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Woo! Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I don't know how God does it. Day after day after day. I walk into the fellowship where I serve. The power of God hits you. Wow. Whoa. I stand on the door shaking hands. Sometimes people don't say anything to me. <laughs> All they do is they go, <laughs> I tell you, you know someone's had a great meeting when they can't say anything to you except, wow. <laughs> when they fall over in the foyer on the way out, you know they've had a great meeting. Glory to God. <laughs> wow. Revival. Talked about it this morning, guys. Beyond signs and wonders, did you know that? Because there'll be plenty of them at the end time. God we need not just what he can do himself healing is in himself I don't know whether this is doctrinally okay but I'm doing it sometimes I lay hands on myself <laughs> have you ever done that go on lay hands on yourself and give yourself a real faith touch of course it's alright isn't it brother Rob you feel a little twinge and a little, you know, whatever. 
I say, Lord, not having that. I receive my miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't, job done. Get on with what God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Don't get sidetracked by pain and nonsense, nor having any of that. We're going to have more energy and health. I tell you, I still feel as if I'm 18, Pastor Dave. My wife says, I'm not so sure looking at the outside, but, but I'm persuaded on the inside. I've got eternal youth. But the amazing is when she looks at me, she loves me, she thinks I'm fantastic. And my son's going the same way. His wife loves him and he's had his hair shaved down like me now. I thought, what a smart fella. <laughs> Glory to God. It's great to laugh, isn't it? Great to laugh. So we're not here to doubt God's word, friend. I'm challenging us tonight. We take God at his word. Secondly, he successfully changed her attitude and emotions. If God can get control of your emotions, you will weep for the right things. You'll be moved for the right things. You will not be stirred by the flesh. You'll be stirred by the spirit. You will not be stirred by what you see. You'll be stirred by what you know. You will not be stirred by what you perceive in the natural. You will be moved with compassion as you look at the people. And that's how the Spirit of God works in us. So once this happened to Eve, rebellion and disobedience was the next step. Believe you me, the devil knows how to craftily take you out of your church. If he can cause you to break fellowship, if he can cause you through a, a wrong thinking or wrong reaction or a, a some, you know, eventually which will lead to rebellion, he's got you because rebellion will always lead to disobedience. You will make it look good. You will make it look spiritual. But the bottom line is keep right with God and right with the people of God because these are the things that command the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor again and say, we need each other. We've got to be together. Amen. Hallelujah. And I think as we move towards the coming of Jesus, we're going to need each other like we've never needed before. And of course, the enemy wanted to gain a stronghold over her will to achieve his goal. And that's how temptation works. What we think affects the way we feel. How we feel determines the way we act. Faith in the Word of God realigns our attitude of heart and mind. When our attitude of heart and mind is realigned to the book, then our emotions and our feelings will come back into line with truth. Because your feelings will lead you up the garden path. Whereas the truth will lead you into the purpose of God. Hallelujah. So you shall know the truth 
and the truth shall set you free. Some of us think, oh, if only I could get set free from the enemy. Well, you know, sometimes we need to be set free from ourselves because there is a power in the flesh. There is a power in the soul that by your own emotion and feeling will take you in directions that you cannot discern a wrong for you. And it is only by faith and total acceptance of what God has said, even when it hurts you, even when you have to dictate to your emotions and feelings, in the authority that God has given you, you have to recognize when your feelings and your emotions are taking you in a wrong way, pull it back in, even if it's painful, and say no to what the enemy wants and yes to what God wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be led by your emotions. <clears throat> Is this doing you good? Hope so. So next question. Here's a big one, fellas. Look at verse 6 with me. And uh, let's just read it again. And we want to ask, there: is there anything about how Adam was operating in this verse that we have to think about? Let me find it with my... There we go. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to a husband who was with her and he ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. I don't know about you, sometimes you read the Old Testament stories and you sort of like get images in your mind. And uh, often I've thought that, you know, a long time I used to think that, well, of course, what actually happened is Satan was so crafty, he got Eve isolated on her own. He tempted her. She fell. She ate the apple. And then she went off to find Adam where he was. And she said, I've tasted this. Would you like some? And then he tasted it and he fell as a, as a deliberate decision. But actually, it wasn't like that at all, was it? He was standing right at the side of Eve, watching Eve fall. Now, that begs us to ask the question, if Adam was present all the time that Eve was tempted, why was he silent? Why did he let that happen? Why did he not defend Eve? Girls, wouldn't you have liked that version better? Would have been a bit more of a Prince Charming story then, wouldn't it? And it would have saved all this. But Adam, he communicated to Eve the commands of God. Adam had told Eve what God had said. And he knew that she was about to disobey and said nothing. And I don't think we'll be able to bring a full answer to that this on the earth. But I like what Selwyn Hughes says on it. He says, Adam probably allowed his curiosity to overpower his reason, or my version, overpower his right thinking. So no wonder we need renewal of the mind. And friends, in that moment, disobedience meant paradise was lost. And the fall affected us all. God was dethroned from the human heart and self 
was enthroned. We became egocentric, self-thinking. And man decided to try to live independently of God. And it takes us a long time to learn. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then I want to take us to question 8. Verse 8, sorry. Why hide? Why hide? It teaches us that relationship with God and relationship with each other was affected immediately by sin. Shame and guilt came in. And uh, Adam and Eve were not conscious of their nakedness before they sinned, but they were immediately after. And they were not embarrassed before God or embarrassed by each other's nakedness. But when they sinned, they immediately went and hid from God and each other. Someone said that they were ashamed of the inner ruin in their natural mental, emotional state now that they had sinned, as well as their bodies. And can I just say, it was at that moment that self was enthroned that they became self-conscious. And there were an awful lot of character traits in us that are there because of our old character and our old nature, our self-consciousness, we feel conspicuous. We would prefer to hide than have all the eyes on us. And people say, well, that's just my personality. Let me tell you, friend, you were never designed to be like that. And God can make you whole. Hallelujah. That's how Jesus works. And can I say, friends, when I'm preaching this type of message, I understand that it's not always comfortable. And I know when the Spirit of God is in a house, and I know when the power of God is resting and hovering over a congregation, and I know He's here tonight, and I understand sometimes when we put our finger on the tender spots, we'd prefer to run and hide then say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Because you see, it's your spirit that actually forms your thinking. It's what's going on in your spirit, in your inner being. It's what's going on in the depth of your inner being that shapes everything else. And God made you absolutely perfect to walk with Him. To talk with Him, relate to Him, be around His glory and His presence. How awesome that must have been. What we lost is indescribable. But what Jesus brings back, we're going to look at tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. What He brings back to you. What he restores to you is even more than what we lost. Hallelujah. What we lost was everything. But what we gain in the second and last Adam is more than everything. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, glory to God. Several things here. 
They tried to cover their own sin. Because eventually in the same chapter we find that God covers them with animal skins so that blood is shed immediately. The revelation of the gospel is there immediately in chapter 3. They went and hid among the trees. Their whole behavior changed immediately. And I love the shadow and the type here. They went and hid among the very thing on which Jesus would hang. Wow! To bring you out of your hiding. He was nailed to a tree. So you can come into relationship. Hallelujah. It's not an accident that homosexuals have adopted the term coming out in their abomination lifestyle. And by the way, God loves them. Did you know that? Hates the sin but loves them and longs for us all to come back into right relationship. And then they were afraid. Where did this fear come from? Timidity. It wasn't in the personality of man when God created man. He didn't put fear in man. He put perfection in man. He put love, purity in man. And yet they were afraid. And the two forces that drive our personality are love and fear. And perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. There should be no fear in us. That doesn't mean that we don't feel it sometimes, but our spirit kicks in and a confidence comes because of love. When love flows in, fear has no foothold. And then you've heard this one, Adam blamed his wife. His wife blamed the serpent and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Let's talk about the judgments for a few moments and then we're going to come to a conclusion. Let me read on in the scripture. Look at verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock. Because the Lord said, that said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock, all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. It's not, it's not insignificant, is it, that he is placed on the ground, crawling on his belly, and the result of death is dust to dust. And Jesus is placed in the tomb in the ground. And the second Adam comes out of the ground. Figurative of your resurrection. Hallelujah. I love things like that. Glory to God. So, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's Jesus prophesied immediately after the fall. Isn't that wonderful? 
To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you have returned to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So, we see here God addressed Satan and cursed him. And he also said that the offspring of the woman, Jesus, would bring defeat to him. Then he addressed the woman. Now, presumably, before the fall, childbearing would have been painless. I hear all the women saying, oh my gosh. And I've seen all three of my children give birth. I want to tell you, I have never kissed my wife as much and clung on to her. I kissed her all over her cheeks and her face. And, oh, I tell you, I mean, uh, you know, for the build-up period, she was gripping onto me like crazy, but afterwards I was gripping onto her. Uh, amazing. New life coming in. But the pain, only the women know. But out of the womb of a woman comes the Savior to bruise the head of the serpent. What a powerful word. What a powerful way God addresses our sin. And then an unusual statement, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It means that the woman will long for the husband that God always wanted her to have, perfect without sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that I don't quite measure up to that. I can occasionally be known to leave my socks on the floor, but they're only there two minutes. I haven't moved them, but I know a woman who does. <laughs> truth of it is, ladies, there is something in you that longs for the man without sin, that longs for the perfect, that longs for what we should have been without sin. Thank God for Jesus. Not only does he give you grace, but he also gets us nearer to being the men we are meant to be. We won't make the grade. When we do, it's an opportunity for you to love us like you never loved before. How amazing. But that's the desire in a woman. We see the distortion of that in society where a woman can be so bereft of God's perfection that she allows herself to be abused and used. 
no concept of the perfect that God always wanted her to have. Thank God for Jesus who reshaped the image. Then God addressed the man. And this judgment was not retributive. It was to drive us back to the mercy of God. He drove us out of the garden. We couldn't approach the tree of life. But we are driven back to Jesus. Because there is no alternative but to come back to him. Out of the garden. I know another man who went into a garden. And in that garden, he sweat drops of blood. Saying, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. My prayer this weekend, as we look at restoration, is that we too will say, let your will be done. I conclude by reading one passage of Scripture. Go with me quickly to 1 Corinthians 15. It's the passage of Scripture we often read at funerals and cremation services, and we all know it, we're familiar with it. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. Are you there? I'll read from part way through. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As you, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as was the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Hallelujah. Wonderful. A life-giving spirit. Friends, that's the spirit you carry. The life-giving spirit. And He's restoring everything to us as we seek Him with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the band to quickly come tonight. We're going to sing a great song. And we're going to stand and respond to God. Hallelujah. Just as we move things to a close tonight, just feeling my heart often on a Saturday night, I just sit down and... We rest in God and just feel tonight we should again return to lift up our voices. We're going to sing all the glory of His presence and immediately focus your attention upon the Lord as we celebrate His Word and His life.
what an amazing Savior we have. Let's all stand together while the band prepare. Lift up your heart and why don't you begin to praise and exalt Him. The band will play us into that song when they're ready. Come on, church. Let's just begin to magnify the Lord. Open your mouth and exalt Him because He's restoring all things to you. Lift up your heart and rejoice in the Lord. We give you glory and thanks and praise tonight for this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in you. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your restoration, Lord. Thank you for the power of your anointing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. Oh, my Jesus, we your temple give you glory so arise so together, a sign of our unity. Wonderful Jesus. Let's sing in the Holy Ghost. Come on, church.
quiet? You stand quiet. Just close your eyes. Father God, we reverence you. We adore you. And we bless you tonight for the power of your word. We bless you, Lord, because you are a restoring, healing God. Lord, as we journey, as we come through this weekend together, we thank you, Lord, what you've started tonight, you will complete. Lord, we ask for a hunger and a thirst and a passion for you like we've never known before. We ask, Lord, you will pour out revival. Touch us. Touch us with your grace, your mercy, your love, your healing streams. Make us whole whole spirit soul mind and body in the name of Jesus we pray and the people of God said and they said again and they said with more faith amen praise the Lord